For so many of us, local parks hold a special place in our hearts. Parks are the places that we spend time with friends, bond with family, go on romantic picnics, and take the best Instagram photos. But they aren't all good. Whether we like it or not, parks around the world act as a backdrop for all kinds of criminal activity, and some cases are worse than others. After dark, parks become a place where it's dangerous to walk alone, where drug dealers conduct business, and where children who should have been playing end up murdered. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. Today's episode is part two of the four-part Babes in the Woods series, so if you haven't listened to part one, go back and check it out to learn about the Babes in the Woods story and why these four murder cases were given this name. Today, we're going to talk about two brothers who were found buried in Stanley Park in Vancouver. There's probably a pretty good chance that you notice that it isn't Wednesday. And as you all know, I like to drop a bonus episode when I can, but recently I realized that my list of cases is growing and one case a week really isn't cutting it anymore. At this rate, I am going to be 90 and still talking about murders. And while that would be awesome, I thought it might be a good idea to pick up the pace a little bit. So a decision was made. Among the Dirt and Trees is officially a bi-weekly podcast, which means you now get to look forward to new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Whether you are wishing the weekend wasn't over or you're just trying to push through hump day, I'm happy to report that I will be there to offer you a little true crime to get you through it all. Now on to the murder. Stanley Park is an expansive park in Vancouver with a fairly detailed history. This land, which once belonged to indigenous folks in the area, received new ownership when the British colonized the area during a gold rush in the 1800s. Once known as Coal Peninsula, Stanley Park was actually a pretty big point of focus for military and was believed to be the perfect way to guard Vancouver. After some new developments, the park was meant to be a living space for new settlers, but the plans changed a few more times, leading to some pretty different outcomes. Stanley Park has lush greenery that stretches on in every direction, and it is covered with trees and all kinds of natural growth. In so many ways, it's a small forest that is maintained like a park, and a quick Google search will show you just how beautiful this space really is. In 1886, the area became Vancouver's first official park. In 1953, it became a murder site. In January of 1953, a gardener at the park heard a strange sound as he worked on the ground below. And in case you were wondering, yes, he was employed by the park. He was not simply a random citizen out doing gardening for the greater good. Though, given everything that I've ever heard about Canada, that might not be too out of place. With a little bit of digging, he found the cause of the sound. Bones. 
though it's very possible that this particular person had an interest in archaeology, I suspect this isn't quite what he was looking for in the middle of a public park during his workday. Assuming the worst, he called the police. The police arrived at the scene and immediately began to explore the area. Before long, they had uncovered a wide range of random items, and more importantly, they discovered the bodies of two children. At the site, police found clothing, a blue lunchbox, a woman's shoe, a woman's coat, and, most disturbingly, a hatchet. With the help of a local medical expert, police were able to get a general picture of the kids, who police believe were between 6 and 10 years old. Unfortunately, the examiner at the time made one major error in his analysis. He believed that one of the children was a girl. It would be another 45 years before DNA analysis would show that these children were actually two boys, and this is a big point of concern for the case. The details surrounding the entire case were blurry enough already, but looking for the wrong set of missing kids didn't help anything. Police believed that these two children died in 1947, but some evidence would suggest that they might have actually died several years sooner or later. (laughs) At best, police were able to create a six-year window that loosely points to when these two brothers passed away. So, to reiterate... Police didn't know when they died and didn't get their genders right, so you can assume how this affected the murder investigation in quite a few ways. Now let's talk about what happened during this 45-year gap. When the gardener made this grisly discovery, police were eager to identify the victims. They began to ask around, hoping to find someone who would know about two missing children. Unfortunately, The police were asking about a missing boy and girl, when, in reality, the missing kids were two brothers. Police received several reports from potential witnesses, but they were largely disregarded for this reason and a few others. The first was from a nearby man who told police that he and his friend picked up a woman and her two sons in the area. According to this witness, She told the two men that she was in trouble with the police and was more or less on the run. She seemed to allude to the fact that she was being pursued for prostitution and for lurking in public spaces. As police probed for more details, they also learned that one of the children was wearing an aviation helmet. This was important because one of the children found at the park had a helmet exactly like this on them when police discovered the bodies. Even though it's unlikely that that one child was the only one to have that kind of helmet, it's a pretty important piece of evidence that really lined up with what they were looking for. The men reportedly gave the police a potential last name, but it ultimately turned out to be a dead end, even though this was really their most promising lead. Still, police were not convinced that they were talking about the right family because they were looking for a daughter, not a second son. So they let it go. The next set of witnesses were another duo, but this time it was a couple. A local sailor and his fiancée at the time claimed that they might have seen the woman in question. One night, 
they were walking near Stanley Park, just outside of the edge of the park. While they were on their romantic stroll, they heard rustling and crashing in the nearby trees. Now, I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but if I was there, I would be freaking out. (laughs) Walking at night and then hearing someone crashing through trees would have me fully prepared for battle. I would assume that it was a werewolf, an angry ghost, or, in the very least, a murderer. What these two saw was a woman. The couple reported that she stumbled out of the nearby trees, all while letting out this barely human shriek. She had no coat and only one shoe. I think we can all agree that this would be quite the sight to behold. I'm sure at the time they just assumed that there was a woman who had taken the wrong kind of drugs or suffered from some kind of extreme mental illness. But I would be pretty worried about this. And when she realized that the couple was there and looking at her, she took off running as fast as she could. Unfortunately, this was ultimately dismissed because of a very strange chronology error. Based on the initial time of death, police thought that the shoes that the couple described were not available in Vancouver at the time. Ultimately, this was proven to be incorrect, which means it's quite possible that this couple saw the woman right after she murdered her children. Though further attempts to investigate the case have been made, very little information has come out beyond that. We still don't know who the little boys were, and no word of the mother was really raised again, at least nothing that was new or anything other than speculation. Despite this, several theories about the mother have been raised. It's commonly accepted that the woman seen by the sailor and his fiance was likely the mother of the two children, but the theories surrounding her vary a lot. Some people believe that the woman simply lost it and ultimately killed her two kids in the forest, then decided to flee. Others seem to think that there might be more to the story. In line with the account about potential prostitution charges, some seem to think that there was a bigger play here. Is it possible that the woman was fleeing from police and realized that she had no way to take care of her kids? Did she choose to kill them rather than let someone take them away from her? Everything about the scene and the potential sighting by the young couple seemed to suggest that there was some haste involved, right? If the woman did, in fact, kill her children, what made her leave so abruptly? The children were found wrapped up with her coat. And that kind of suggests that she was taking her time with that, right? She did wrap them up. She put them in a specific place. But then she managed to leave a shoe behind. To me... This almost sounds like she was finishing up and someone startled her, so she fled in a panic. Another interesting theory that I read was that she and the children might have been attacked by criminals in the park, but I don't know how to feel about this one. While it is possible that another party was involved, it doesn't really make sense that she would not have come forward about it. Unless you think about it a little more. 
we can easily explain this away if she really was fleeing the police in some capacity. Maybe she knew that if she did report it, she would be arrested. Or maybe she was afraid that they would blame her given the existing record of criminal activity. Other bits of evidence floated up, with some saying that they saw a woman walk into the woods with a man, two boys, and a hatchet. They then say that they saw her return alone with the man, and she was covered in blood. Some even directed police to a local prostitute in the area, believing that it was her, but her sons were ultimately found to be alive, so that closed that door. In one recount, I read that while police were investigating the last name that was offered up by the two men, the family involved was largely unresponsive. While this could certainly mean that they simply didn't know anything about a woman or her kids, I found myself wondering if maybe they did know, but they didn't want to come forward. It's possible that they disapproved of her lifestyle or considered her a problem that they didn't want to deal with. Since there never was a father in the area that came up looking for the kids as far as we know, it's possible and likely that she was a struggling single mother. It's just impossible to know what really happened, especially because we can't guarantee that the woman in question that's listed in all of these theories was involved at all. (laughs) What we do know is that the boys showed injuries that were in line with the hatchet, and that is without a doubt how they were murdered. For a very long time, their bones were kept in a police museum. After DNA testing was used to correct the reports on gender and prove that the two kids were brothers, they were cremated and finally laid to rest. However, replicas of their bones are still on display in that museum. To this day, Vancouver police remain hopeful that these boys will be identified through the power of DNA kits. Apparently, they've had quite a few breakthroughs, and as we've discussed in previous episodes, genealogy kits are proving to be groundbreaking when it comes to solving cold cases, so it's very possible that we're going to see these two children ultimately identified. For now, these two brothers are just a mystery. Unfortunately, these two boys are not the only ones to have suffered in this particular park. Stanley Park, for all of its beauty, also has a really complex history. Nearly 50 years later, two more bodies surfaced in Stanley Park, this time belonging to two local teenagers. But that's a story for another day. So... If you want to tell me just how excited you are to get an extra episode every week, or you just want to talk true crime, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. And if you decide that you don't want to deal with ads twice a week, feel free to become a patron at patreon.com slash like and inscribe for ad-free listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.